Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Good morning. Second service means we can go till dinner. This is awesome. I I appreciate it. The, uh, the heart today that I really want to share with you and educate you a little bit about who we are, what we do, so we can partner continually as you have been supporting us already. And we're very grateful for that, just that your, uh, your support, I hope that you will see and I know that you will uh, observe the fruit uh, of that. Uh, the Refuge is a place, and you can see up there on the screen, I want to go to our scriptures real quick as we were there and as I was just, just hearing the word, I want to go to the word of God. Uh, very quickly. Luke 418 is up here on this sign. It says the refuge. If you've got your Bibles, go to Luke 418, or you guys can put it up on the screen or however that works best. Um, because here's, for some of us, it's not about this ministry here today. It, it's really about, number one, Jesus Christ changes hearts and lives and brings us out of bondage. And it's not just bondage to drugs and alcohol. Listen, you're going to worship something. You're going to worship something. It's what is the focus of our worship is the issue. So some of us have worshipped, you know, drugs and alcohol, myself included. I'm a, a jacked up mess, redeemed by Jesus. That's why I'm standing before you. And I'm just saying I, I'm now trying to get over food. That's the next worship that I'm trying to get through. I've, I've had kids. That's another worship aspect that I try to get. I'm finally getting them out of the house. So, so just a lot of things through my life, tries to take first place from Christ. And so Luke 418 is, is where Jesus just came out of the wilderness and as he had experienced temptation, he was given the purpose of, of why he came. He was sharing that. He unrolled the scrolls and read from Isaiah 61. And so the prophecy came to be fulfilled this day. And this is what he says. He says, the spirit of the Lord spawned me because, this is, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 418. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, held down, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is why Christ came, is to set us free. Now, another dude I really like is is this guy named uh, Paul that was Saul. He he was a really wild guy. And, And... I love his hunger and what I call his pursuit for the gospel. So let's go to Acts 26 on this one because I just want to kind of frame this up to what I was just hearing when I was down there. In, in Acts chapter 26, verse 14, here's his story and why he came. Now, now this is uh, the purpose is what I'm going to. Why are we here on planet Earth? Have we figured this out yet? Do we know our purposes? Because this is Jesus saying, here's mine. Here's now this Saul dude became Paul. Here's his. Acts chapter 26, 14 says this. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice to me in Hebrew language. Now listen, gang, this is the refuge right here. We had to fall to the ground so then we could look up. And the, typically in our walk with God, there has to come a point in all of our lives where we get broken, that was that word I heard earlier, broken enough to finally understand that we are not all that in a bag of chips. That's just not what we are. And pride is what I believe the greatest enemy of coming to Christ. And I'm not just saying because we're in a church, this pride thing keeps trying to get us to get our eyes off of him onto self all the way through life, through our walk. And and my point is, brokenness is the key to this. If we can finally get broke enough to remain... Now, broken's one thing. It's staying humble and broken is the other. How do we maintain it? Because you know what really drives me crazy? We got this God that likes to bless us. And the wild thing is, he'll start turning on the, the spigot of blessing... And what will happen sometimes is we'll get our eyes off the bless or and on the blessing. And all of a sudden that brokenness that we once experienced starts to go away from us and we start to think we got something going on. And I'll be quite frankly, I ain't got nothing going on. 
I have nothing to offer you today. I got my phone number. You call my wife. I'm telling you, I have nothing in Tom that's worth anything. Anything apart from Christ is nothing. Because whenever it comes to eternity, it's all going to burn up if it has no everlasting eternal value. That's what I mean. I have nothing to offer you in that. I wish we had little switches on the back of our neck that we could flip and all of a sudden Jesus comes along. You know, it just how do we flip that? I can't flip your switch. I'm trying to get to my own switch some days, you understand? So I'm just saying, I'm here to tell you this is the starting point of coming to the new name. Is if you look at when they got their new names, it started after the brokenness. Some of us are in brokenness right now, and I want to encourage you, praise God. Because that's when we finally start looking out from the mirror and looking towards Christ. And so you look at Paul, dude. This guy got knocked down. That's the first step. And so when he was there, and, and then Jesus showed up and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then Paul says, I said, who are you, Lord? That's interesting. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. That's the first step we have to do. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I appear to you, delivering you from your people, from the Gentiles, to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now listen, that is a purpose that was anointed upon him that he would now walk on the earth for, and each one of us have a purpose. The enemy wants to absolutely get you off of purpose. I'm telling you because it's not about us. It's about the glory of daddy. It's about the father. We're not even the issue, dude. It's about God's glory on the earth. And so that's where we have to walk in our divine anointed purpose is because literally God's glory is at stake. How selfish for me not to stand whenever he tells me to, to glorify him. I want to encourage some of us because in 99, God gave me this thing of a vision. And some of you, I'm seeing some familiar faces that have seen me back in the day. And, and I'm telling you, I'm still jacked up. Don't worry. And, and things are absolutely in a place where the purpose has had, I've had to fight for it. Because many times, discouragement, dismay, betrayal. I mean, I'm telling you, so many things have happened, I can't count them all. And, and quite frankly, I wanted to quit more than I've wanted to stay. The reason I've stayed is this. Number one is, I got messed up a long time ago to know God's real. And the second thing is, I've gone back and drawn back to the purpose and the calling. And I want to share one thing. Some, this is for somebody. Some of you guys have burdens for things, but then there's this thing called a calling for something. There is a difference. A burden says, I feel bad for them. I want to help them. The problem with a burden is when the heat turns up and, the, and it's hot in the kitchen and you just have a burden, you will run like a little girl. Do you understand? You, you, you can't take it because I'm telling you if it's just a burden, I'm out of here. But when it's a calling, you have nowhere to run. <laughs> it's like God's got you and he's going to be wherever you run to and he's going to be looking at you going, okay now, is this, I mean, I'm just telling you, that's what's kept me. It's been the grace of God, nothing of my doing. So after 15 years of walking it out where men have died, where things that I've seen in, in, my, own, in my own way have blown my mind to what I've been able to see, the depravity of what man can do, I'm telling you the calling is what we have to hold on to. So for, that's for somebody here to say, stay in your calling because that's the place that we will find Jesus. You can't outrun it. Just stand and continue to remain. But I'm telling you, that, that's, that's kept me. And, and here's the key. The next verse sums this up for you. It says, therefore, this is Paul, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So that's why I'm here today. I'm here to be obedient to the heavenly vision God has given me and continue to do that until I quit breathing or there's another season. And trust me, I'm looking for the next. Lord, as soon as you want me out of here, I'm gone. 
You understand? Maybe today's the day. You, you understand? It's, it's one of those. <laughs> but we must remain. I'm just telling you my weakness. I am absolutely a fruitcake nutcase. I can get in the flesh. I'm a human being, and I need Jesus more today than yesterday. Pride says, I think I got something. Well, I'm here to confess, I don't. I just have Jesus. And what's goofy in our culture is, that's not enough for us. Oh, that's old religious stuff. I'm telling you it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still works real well. The Bible is true, it's absolutely true, and everything in there absolutely works. And I'm telling you, don't let our culture steal our faith in Christ. It's coming in from all sides. And I'm here to tell you guys, we got to fight for our faith right now in love. Unconditional love. I'm not good at it. I don't like some of you people, you know what I mean? You make me mad. I'm a conditional lover, you make me mad, I ain't going to like you. I don't understand this God thing, this unconditional stuff. I'll be honest. I struggle with that. But, but I'm telling you, whenever we surrender and decrease, his unconditional love comes to us. It's only by his spirit that I can love anybody to the way he loves me. So God's still on the throne. He's still working. I'm here to encourage you. He's still changing lives. We're going to hear that. And, and the bigger piece of today is the purpose that you've been given. Hold on to it. Now, we're talking about names. He gives us new names, the rock of Peter. I'm telling you, we've been given all kinds of names out here in our social, whatever you want to call the counseling psycho. About you, name, you know, I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm bipolar. I'm tripolar. I'm schizo. I'm nutcase. I'm whatever you want to call me. Those are labels of the world. I'm telling you, the label of the Father is you are a son or daughter. And I'm well pleased with you. That's a big issue, let me tell you. I kept saying, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic. And so every time I went in Kroger, I'm freaking out in the beer aisle going, oh my God, oh my God. That's not freedom, man. There's something wrong with that picture. Who the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. Is that freedom? No. There is a master, there is a, a power in, in this universe and the Holy Spirit coming through. And I'm th- telling you, Jesus brings us this place of true freedom. And, and I'm looking at us and I'm going, dude, it still works. And, I, and I, it's so, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's a gift from God. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. We can't be good enough to walk in it. We If you guys can tell me how to do that, help me, because I'm still struggling in that area. The resting in the Father. Is anybody with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because this is my journey right now. What does it mean to rest with God? Because that's what I'm after, because that's what, listen, that's what the counterfeits are trying to come into our lives and replace the rest of the Father. Now I'm giving you the root. That's the, that's the, one of the counterfeits is drugs and alcohol. So it isn't a big deal out here just because they tell me 50% of Chilcali is jacked up on drugs and alcohol. I met with the mayor and he said, it's all messed up. I'm telling you, it's not a big deal because what we're doing is we're looking at the symptoms, not the root problems. The root problems is it's a spiritual condition. And the spiritual condition is... Well, this dude came down, his name was Adam, and then he screwed up. I'm, you know the story. My point is, that's real. That's the problem we have. It's called sin. I'm sorry, I'm just getting back to basics. You know whenever you're, you're losing at halftime, right? You've got to come back to just black, blocking and tackling. Let, let's get back to what it's all about. Because sometimes we, as the church, start getting down this road of being complex and start putting all kinds of stuff together, super solid. And I'm telling you, we forget the basics, and we start to lose our foundation. We're dealing with sin. It's in us, and what we need is a rescue. We're all depraved. We all need this rescue. And the rescuer is Jesus, and he comes, and he sets us free. That's about, and I'm telling you, people laugh at that. They make fun of that because we humans are smart. We got Google. <laughs> and we try to come against the good news. 
So what is the refuge? The refuge is a place that still believes that the scripture is true. The refuge believes that God is our refuge. And when they're coming to this place, it's really coming to a person. And, and they're coming to a relationship. That's what we believe. And so whenever they get wrapped up in that relationship, you get so messed up that you're not trying to earn something to work there. You're, getting, you're falling in love with this. You're absolutely amazed by him that you want now to do because you want to please him. He's a good dad. If, if your dad still has a ball bat and he's getting ready to hit you from heaven, that's the wrong. I'm just telling you, he is an unconditional lover. It's amazing. Truly amazing grace. So that's who we are. This next slide kind of shows you my family. We left in 99. We took off. How many have even heard of the refuge? Is anybody? Wow, okay. So, so many of you have. So I won't, I'll just go through it and hit the, hit the I'll, I'll do the, the top of the waves. I'll just go through fast. This, this was uh, four sons, my wife. We left Grove City, moved to Vinton County, began that with a lot of wonderful people, a lot of wonderful church support, people around us. But I left, and, and quite frankly, I'm a denominational mutt. I, I, I don't know what to know. I, I wasn't raised in church, sorry. I, I didn't, I wasn't around it. So I just, kind of, I just kind of went down hard and came up, and some people took me to one. I started looking around, trying to find something, still trying to find Jesus in the real, that's all I'm seeking of truth. I, I kind of like them all. Jesus in the middle of it. I like the Methodist. Got a little grace going on. I, I like the Baptist. A little word going on. I, I like holy. I like all these. So I'm not throwing stones at anything. I'm, I need them all. <laughs> I'm messed up. So I like all of it. And I love swinging from chandeliers. So I'm cool. Because they're just a little bent towards Christ and all that. And so I'm looking at y'all, and I'm saying, I'm just a denominational mutt. I'm trying to find God. So then I got people coming in. I got pastors always trying to label me. What are you? I mean, I got all that stuff going on, and here's where it's been for the last 15 years. It's like, okay, we're going to sell out, take my wife and kids down. To, and, and I had support. I could have had pure, total financial support over the top budget if I would have went with a certain denomination. And God said, nope. I went, whoa. <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> that means the just shall live by faith. Now that sounds real spiritual till you have to pay the bills. <laughs> but for 15 years, he has sustained it. Now, I'm here to tell you today, we're still in the same boat. I don't know how we're going to make it in two months. I think God kind of likes some of that. Just to keep you on the air, I think he likes me on my knees. I'm serious. I think he likes to have all of my attention. I'm not saying I like some of that, but I'm just telling you, I feel like that's because I'm wired weird, and he's got to get me, and he knows how I'm wired, and he puts me in situations to have to hunger and thirst for him continually. And so that's where we are today still. So I'm telling you, it's been God. God has literally been our refuge, and God has sustained us for 15 years, and I give him the glory. This is powerful. So there we were. There's a sign in the yard. We went down in the middle of nowhere and then went another two miles. Another, there it was. So that was the, the beginning point. Okay? The next slide that kind of tells you kind of what we're about. Because here's where we're at today, gang. We're here to partner for those needing help. And, there, and I'm not naive enough to know that even in this church of this size, that there is a need of help in some of our families, if not ourselves. So I'm not that goofy to know that this thing's knocking at our door. So we're here to wash your feet. We're here to serve you because you already partner with us. We want to tell you who we are so you can then put the word out to help our community. And then here's the key. We rely too much on certain entities besides Jesus. So this is an opportunity for us to come to them with an answer that is biblical, scriptural. It's Jesus, and we want to give that to you because there's no charge for it still. There's no charge for the men to come. The only thing they have to change is everything. <laughs> and the only thing they have to give is all. So, so that's pretty much all called. So, so as they're coming, they've got to be 18 years and older. They have to be a man. So I told him earlier that I've got one woman. That's enough. I can't do any more than that. So what, I got a man. This is a men's ministry. Not that she's a problem. I'm just an idiot. You know what I mean. 
Don't tell her I threw her under the bus, Don. That's not true. So, so this, this is the place where anybody 18 years and older, and here's that second point up there. I just talked about there was no hope or, or direction. I'm talking about broken. That's a prerequisite to the kingdom of God. I don't care if it's through drugs and alcohol, it's whatever, finance, relationship, whatever breaks us, helps us pursue him because our pride goes down. So that's a big one. And that brokenness can't be brokenness from mom or dad or wife or kids. It's got to be him. Because I've got plenty of people trying to work out other people's salvation. It doesn't work too good. So what you have to understand is there is a time where you have to make that step on their own. The next one is looking for a hand up, not a hand out. We're not a poor little mission that's trying to help people. We truly believe these are sons of God. We believe they're created in God's image. We don't look at a drug addict, alcoholic, no, that doesn't even matter. I don't even care if they're on this stuff. Just come as you are and know that God created you and there's gifts, skills, abilities in you that God's going to get glory for and it's going to be fun. That makes sense? And the other thing is, as they're coming through, they're going to be working ministry, investing themselves, not bearing their talents. So now they're a part of it, so they're going through the ministry while they're in ministry, not just within a ministry. They are the ministry. So welcome to ministry when they show up. And so when they're in this thing, we go out in the marketplace and actually work so they can eat. I've read that somewhere too. I don't like that one, but that's in there. So we got to work to eat, so they actually provide and sustain some of, of what we have to take care of it. Okay? So that's how it works. And if they ask you, which they will, is this dude making money on? I mean, what angle is Everybody's looking for the angle. What is the self-centered thing that the goofball's trying to do to me? I've got literally a, a while back, my, my wife, Jonna, operates, we operate Subway restaurants. Uh, it's annoying that you need to go to Subway. I'm just kidding. But anyway, as, as we went through that, she operates those. That helps take care of the family needs. So the majority of what we, of course, have comes from that. I'm not in this for money, or I was a total idiot for starting refuge to start with because I had it. had six figures and gave it up. So that would have been stupid. And it's never come to pass yet that we can get rich off this. So that's not what's happening. And please tell those people that because they're thinking, oh, I'm working so he can make. That isn't what's going on here. We are called to make disciples. That's why we're doing what we do. That's it. That's the hidden agenda, is that you will find Christ, and you can then find someone else that needs to know Christ. So if that offends you, I'm sorry, but that's what we're doing. The last piece is basically the big piece. That's who we are, we're out of the closet, and we are Christians. And we're fine with that, and we're very overt in what we do. So when people come, we're not doing the bait and switch. We're not like kind of going around the corner and then, whoop, Jesus. No, we're about Christ. Do you want to follow him? Because I can't sell it. I'm a terrible salesman. The, the spirit has to draw him. And when that's there, whew, that's what happens. It's the miraculous. That's when the Holy Spirit gets hold of our hearts. So that's, that's what it's about. That's, that's kind of the overview of who we're serving. And then the next piece shows you what we look at every day is right here. This big one up here, the first line up there, the big line says it's, it's about transformation. So if he doesn't want to change, then this isn't going to work. So he's got to want it. He's got to want to desire it. He's got to invest himself in it. And I already told you the supernatural has to draw him. Spiritual has to, the Holy Spirit has to draw him to do all that. Then the next piece is, then he has to have an environment to change in. That's where the church of Jesus Christ shows up. This is a place of accountability that we all need to meet, look more like Jesus today than yesterday. And if you're still talking about 1922 experience, get over it. Jesus is wanting to change something in us every minute to look more like him. I've already arrived. Lord, don't you know I'm a deacon? Don't you understand? I've been doing, I formed it. I built this church. I'm telling that pride stuff keeps us from new revelation. It does. It, it absolutely just keep, quenches the spirit because I'm already there. I haven't smoked in 99 years. Listen, man, it's fun to grow. Existing gets old. I start to stink if I, I mean, it just starts smelling. It, it, we've got to keep growing vibrantly. And that's called, listen, an old word, repentance. 
Repent means I changed my mind because a revelation of God came through me that I need to tweak this because it doesn't look like Jesus. So I need to turn from that and go over here where he's at. And guess what? Change happens. Then the next thing is growth happens. Then I'm alive again. Some of us are still stuck in pride going, I can get by with this. Nobody knows. I'm not stepping on to If I am, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not even sorry. Anyway, we're in a place of transformation. Men's lives changed. If you don't want to grow, then go. That's what we say to the guys. It's just like, come on, dude. You've got to get somewhere. And where you're going is discipleship to become Christ. The seven areas is what we look at up here. And those seven areas are what we evaluate it in our own lives. This is personal now. I'm not out here. I'm not the Holy Spirit junior cop. Do you understand what I'm saying? Dude, you need, we can't keep anybody accountable. I don't live with you. You can pull one over on anybody. Let me tell you something. I'm going to stand before the maker, and I'm going to have to give an account for my life, and he's the greatest accountability partner there is, and I know that, and I'm concerned about it because I'm not God and he is. I've got to humble myself, and I have to come to you with my issues and ask you to please help me be accountable. We got this thing all whack. We got Holy Spirit juniors running everywhere. We got the cops running around trying to police sin. It doesn't. I, at least we don't have a sin detector here. We have in some churches. You come through. Well, you can't come in. <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying. We all got stuff. And it keeps us humble. And I'm telling you, it keeps us pursuing God. Does that make any sense? Am I alone? Because I'm there. I've got some stuff. Call her. My wife will tell you. But I'm working on it. And so this is the place that we're coming in transformation. The first one up there, you got seven. I'm not going to, I'm just, I want you to hear the transformation stories here. So the first one is commitment to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one is relationship with others. I've got to make sure that I'm pouring out, serving you uh, with my wife. I'm, I'm literally doing what I can to serve her as Christ did the church. I, I've got to come to a place where it's about serving, not being served. That's Jesus. So, so that's that relationship piece. Two of them, greatest commandments, everything else in the Bible. If you're a scholar, you'll know that those two are it. Everything else hinges on those two. So for us at the refuge, I want you to hear me. Some guys come from church camps, and they've got a couple of scriptures, but they ain't done a lick of them. It's not about knowing the word. It's about doing it. And so the key comes down to this. We're not interested in all that stuff that you know. We want to know that you know who you need to know. It's the relationship. So there's, now here I am, some of those labeling things. Hmm, what is he? Baptist, Nazarene, is he Nazarite? Maybe he's charismatic with a twist. Maybe Baptist with a flip. I'm just saying, just looking at the labels, there's who we are, the first two. We're going to learn to love God, lovers of the Father, and we're going to learn how to love people that we don't even like. If we get those two down, now we can go deep in whether we sprinkle, splash, dip, dunk, flip. You know what I'm saying? That's for us. We're just saying we're infant in our walk right now. We're going, let's just learn how to do relationship with God. So that's our denomination, whatever you want to call that. That's Christian, I guess, the way. We just want to love people, love God. So that's where we're at. So we don't argue about a whole lot of doctrine because I'm not that smart. I'm serious, and I got I haven't had a I haven't had a dude in a crack house yet go, now dude, do you dunk or sprinkle? I mean, they don't care. I haven't had one yet. <laughs> they just don't really care about that kind of stuff that we argue and split about. <laughs> just don't care. They're just like, does anybody? Do I even matter? Should I go another day? You get me? That, that's what they're after. Well, anyway, the third one is about teachability. The fourth one is truly when it comes down to honesty and authenticity. I'm going to tell a quick story and be done. This, this is the place where I got set free. This is where I went to a Bible study because I went to a basketball thing. I shot a few hoops. A guy said, do you want to come eat at my house? And I said, of course. Uh, eating will get me there pretty much every time. So, so anyway, I, I said, yeah. So I went to his house, and then he had, and I'd never been to church stuff to the degree of this. And they, they invited me in, and then they started talking to each other. And I looked at him and I said, hey, 
Can I share just real quick? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to die. I'm sick and tired of my wife. I hate my kids. They drive me nuts. And there's this girl at work I'm really looking at. These guys are wanting to do a Bible study. They're going, dude, what? I said, I'm going to die. I don't care what you think. Here's my problem, where I was and where I've continued to be. This is where I was in Waverly when I was quarterback and all that. This is where I was in performance, trying to be good enough in church and trying not to, you know, do chew and kiss girls that do do chew. You know, just all these things. I literally was trying to come to the place where I, I want to I make sure you're happy with me. Do, do you like me? Do you like me? Am I okay? Am I good? Hi, brother. I, I just want everybody to know I'm a good guy and everybody should like me. Over time, I found out people are whacked. They like me some days. Next day, they don't. I, I, I can't please all of you. You're already judging me right now. You know what I mean? I just quit because I want to get drunk thinking about it. I, I don't want to please man anymore. Because we're all in the same boat. We're all going to stand before God. And I'm just in line with you. So what do I matter? One day he's going to be going. I know he's shaking his head right now. Going, all oh, those humans. And, and, and my, my thing is, people pleasing, my friends, is a lot of my issues in the past that I've finally gotten rid of. I'm not saying you hate people. I'm saying you love people. But my point is, I've got to be a God pleaser more than a man. Boy, that's freedom. If you can grab a hold of that, you'll be running around this not caring about nothing. It could snow oats and you're fine. And, and as I looked at that honesty and authenticity, I didn't know how to do anything different because I was desperate. I was going to die. I had a gun to my head. I was suicidal nutcase because I couldn't perform to the level that I ever could. And then you go to church. Lord God, now church wants you to do. I, you know, I had to get straight A's because my dad was superintendent. I had to get daggone captain of teams because my brother was played for Woody Hayes and was a captain. So then I got to now I go to church. Now I can't even cuss. Then I'm ready to blow my brain. I don't know what you guys want from me. You understand what I'm saying? I don't. Performance is not the answer. It's not the answer. And that's what I found over time. I couldn't be good enough and still can't. So I thank God that Jesus did it for me. Thank God that I never have to earn nothing. I praise Jesus that I can literally just rest. We're back to that rest thing. I'm still trying to learn it. So those are the pieces of honesty, authenticity that set you free. Confess your faults one to another. Why didn't he just say, come to me? And I was doing that in that small group. They kicked me out. Uh, Tom, we appreciate, we, you know, brother, we don't know you that well. We're glad to meet you. Would anybody like to go to his house next week? So they sent two guys to my house. We started in my basement. This is back in 92, I think. And the next thing you know, it grew to 30 because it wasn't anything. I didn't have doctrine. I could tell you theological. No, it wasn't none of that. It was Tom showing up. He's an idiot. We, we want to hear what he did all week, and we'll find out just how really goofy he is this week. It was reality TV before they had it. I could have made so much money. I could have put a camera up. It would have been awesome. But you know what was happening? The men were coming. It was a men's group. They were coming, and they were going, is he allowed to say that? Because I didn't, I wasn't schooled yet. I didn't know how to, hi brother, I didn't know that yet. I was not schooled in church etiquette. I was just going to die. And so I'd come every week, and I'd share, and then more would come. And they're like, dude, he's jacked up. But then after about three, because I thought I was the only one. Listen, people, I thought you were perfect. I'm serious. I thought you had it. I didn't. I didn't get the right pill. Something didn't work for me, but everybody else is perfect, and I missed it. Because you guys are great actors. And I'm, I'm serious. I, but listen, the third week into this small group, one of the guys went, me too. I went, what? You're a church guy. I'm struggling right there. Right, that. And then another one went, and me. Then Katie barred the door. They all started getting real honest and authentic. 
And then they started absolutely telling everyone. And then when we started to get up in the morning, we didn't feel like the enemy kicked us. Stay down, stupid. You know who you are. Because as you confess your faults, you shall be healed. So whenever he would kick me, he'd go, I didn't hurt as bad as it has. I wonder what that, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even know that scripture. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But when you walk in truth, regardless of if you even know it, it's true. So I was getting free and didn't even, I wasn't even understanding. James 5.16 is a tool. It saved my life. And some of us are scared to death to share anything because of rejection. I'm going to be betrayed. Nobody's going to be able to seriously relate to me. I'm weird. And we're held in bondage. And I'm telling you what's at stake in that state is the fact that I'm so selfish that I want to stay there is God's glory through you. He's waiting on you to get free. And if you'll find just a few goofballs like me, you can share. Listen, I've been through 15 years of every sin in the book. We're the best sinners. Our stuff makes the front page, you understand. We're good at this sin thing. And then what's cool about that is when we've done all the stuff, like steal from your grandma and rip off the grocery store and shoot stuff up and crazy crap, I'm just saying when you're in that kind of sin stuff, it gets old after a while. I'm hearing them confess. I'm about... You done yet? Because uh, it's no big deal. It's sinner. Sinner's sin. I found that out a while back. So it's not like, <gasps> I'm like, that's what we do. We need Jesus. We're a little jacked up. So we're in a safe place of a bunch of sinners that we can all get honest and real because what's it matter when you're broke and have nothing and your own family doesn't want you? There's no more people pleasing left. Now listen to me, gang. We're going to get something here. This is where freedom comes in. But you've got to be willing to take the risk. And I'm not saying tell everybody. Some of you people don't need to be told because you haven't learned yet what gossip means. I'm just saying, but the most part, there might be one or two that you feel like you can come and you can share things as long as it's held confidentially there that God will step in the middle of that group. And I'm telling you, we will have some freedom and some healing and then the world that needs help can come in and we can be there. That's all I'm saying, man. That's what's been my story. I'm giving my testimony. That's what happened to me. And I'm telling you, it didn't stop that. that. It wasn't that way. I'm still meeting some of the same dudes 25 years later talking about some stuff. I still need it today. And some of us go, let's go to a small group. Well, let's get the Bible. Let's talk about that. And we, we dance around everything except for this, the heart of what we're dealing with. And it's like that. I'm, what I'm giving you is a sneak preview so you can help us is what the refuge is. The refuge is a safe place for men to come and to absolutely puke on everybody just so that we can get it all out and we can finally get healed. That's it. No judgment. We're not here to throw stones at you. I'd be doing this all day, hitting myself in the head with stones. So that's what it is. It's a safe environment to change, okay? I'm going to have Danny share a little of his story, um, and then I'm going to fly through what I'd consider the steps so you understand, educate you to help other men that might need to come to us. I'll do that quickly because I know we want to go to McDonald's. I love McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? So we'll get there. I'm just kidding. It's from the enemy. Subway is anointed. I'm just, just Hi, I'm Danny. Um, I, I actually have to write mine down because... I'm so messed up from what Jesus has done to me that I will go on and on and on, and I'll bounce all over the place. So um, about a year ago this time, I had an opportunity. It's real quick. It's so cool coming into the refuge because I was really sick, and I may actually touch on this in this testimony. It's kind of like my love letter. And um, when I had heard about the refuge without a bunch of background information, uh, my sister had come to my parents' house, and I just happened to be there. And every time I was at my parents' house, they're like, he's here and he's alive. If you want to see him, come pet him. You know, that's really what it was like. And um, so my sister showed up, and all I can remember, she said the name Refuge. And um, the Holy Spirit is so cool, and he's so real, and I just had a vision of what I'm doing right now. No frame of reference for that whatsoever, so... Um, anyway, I just want to get on a little bit, but I'm so lucky because I have guys like this in my life. And um, it's an honor to be a part of you guys and get to go around with you. Um, it's the funnest thing ever. So um, now I wrote this a year ago, so give me some grace if um, 
talk about another denomination or something crazy like that in it, but um, you, you'll get the point. So, and it'll keep me from crying and all that stuff. So, here we go. It says, I can't tell you what a privilege it is to have the opportunity to tell you about just some of what Jesus has done in me over the past year. And another thing, this being a year ago, what Jesus has done in me this past year is about 50 times what he did to me in the first year. I, I was laying in bed the night before I, I um, went to give this testimony, and like, you freestyle it, let the Holy Spirit go, and that's what you do. And as I'm laying there, the Holy Spirit just woke me up, and he's like, I have some specific things that I want you to tell people, and it has to be like this. So this really, it, it just sums up what my life was um, at the refuge, and at the time, all I wanted to do was be used. So like the worst thing was laying in bed at the refuge, just healing, you know, and letting the Holy Spirit minister to me, and being like, Lord, I just want you to use me so bad. So, um, but this is what Jesus has done in me over the past year. My name is Danny Webb, and I am 36 years old, still 36. I was born in Springfield, Ohio. I have a two and a half year old son, he's three. I was married, I had a secure childhood, and come from a loving family. I actually grew up in a Christian home with praying parents and two older sisters who modeled nothing but strong Christian values. I was an athlete through middle school, high school, and college. The Holy Spirit started preparing me for, one, for today with one thought that overwhelmed me more than any other. Who was I without Jesus? Without Jesus, I was a man who lived in active addiction for 21 years. The last 14 of which I was high all day every day with no more than 30 days sober throughout that time, which came only as a result of a hopeless attempt to save yet another already ruined relationship. I started, here's, here's the bad stuff. I started drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes by the age of 12. By the age of 14, I had started using marijuana regularly. At the ages of 18 to 21, I was introduced to painkillers, methamphetamines, and LSD. At the age of 23, it was cocaine and then heroin. Then finally, at the age 33, the worst of them all, bath salt. Along with the drugs came everything you see on documentaries about drugs, crime, and the lifestyle that inevitably comes with them. Shows like A&E's intervention sum up what my life was like, my parents, and anybody who came into my life. Strangely enough, my competitive nature came into play with drugs as well. I always had to use more, have more, and sell more than anybody else. Along with the drug trade, there were a new set of torments. I've been in and out of jail many, many times. As my drug problem grew, my legal and domestic issues also grew. My marriage finally came to a breaking point as these problems mounted, leading up to my son's birth just two, three long years ago. After which, it seemed too late to stop. Needless to say, my life was a complete and hopeless wreck. I had lost my wife, my son, and destroyed more careers and relationships than a normal person should have in 15 lifetimes. Here's the good part. But this is where something supernatural happened that totally saved me from all that. Just, I guess, a couple years ago, I found myself yet in jail again. I was exhausted and mentally gone. I wanted, all I wanted at that point was to die. I was so used to jail, I recognized it as simply a tool to get some much-needed rest and sleep, which would enable me to get back out there and go again. But this time, something happened. Everybody finds Jesus at jail. You know, they do. It's like, I actually went into one jail out in Cook County. I was out in Chicago for 11 years, and they have, like, a cross with some dude praying on his knees. This was not one of those experiences. I was way harder than that at this. I was dead. I mean, I'm dead. So, anyway, it enabled me to get back there. As the cell door shut behind me, somebody I now believe to be an angel sat down next to me and said, all you need is Jesus. And, uh... I remember this so well. I said, turn to that man and said to him, Jesus can't help me. Being in a cycle of drug use where I was awake for 13 days at a time with no food, 
or sleep for years, there's this point where my body will give out and I would fall asleep for many days in what I, what I can best describe as a coma-like state. No waking up to go to the bathroom or to eat. That night in jail, I fell into that state. After two days, I remember sitting straight up in the bed and saying, okay, God, I will go to the refuge. I can't tell you how miserable and scary it was to be a prisoner in my own body. It was like I was screaming from the inside saying, I'm still in here. I'm a good person. I just want out. Um, I was released from jail four weeks later, which is a miracle. And um, it was on a Wednesday. So uh, orientations are on Tuesday. So, man, I, I don't know. I just have to say I was scared to death coming out because I'd heard about the refuge um, a year before. And I just I wasn't ready. Um, I had too many resources. And the Lord just needed me to be completely broken at that point. I wanted to get well at that point a year before because I wanted my son back and I wanted my wife back and all that stuff. That's not a good reason. It doesn't work. I had to be broken. Two years ago, almost here we go. Here, two years ago, almost to the day, I'm guessing that my sister sat in a church service. I know it was just like this. There were some men from the refuge ministry. Somewhere along the line, she heard something that gave her hope. After church, she came to my parents' house, where I happened to be for that afternoon visiting. She told me about, all about the refuge, and inside something jumped in my spirit. I remember her saying, this is it. It took me a year of fighting Jesus, calling me to the refuge to come to my end and be in a place of complete surrender. Here I am, see it says not much more than a year later, but here I am about a year, probably 11 months later, to tell you how an encounter with Jesus has transformed me. After I answered his calling me to the refuge, he literally carried me to orientation that following Tuesday, something I never could have done on my own. The moment I arrived there, the Holy Spirit started ministering to me. He told me who I really was in Christ. And these are the things he told me. And this is what released me. This was the life that was spoken into me from the day I came into the refuge. He said, you're forgiven of all your sins and washed in the blood. You have received the spirit of wisdom, a revelation, and the knowledge of Jesus. And the eyes of my understanding have been enlightened. You are a believer and the light of the gospel shines in your mind. You are greatly loved by God. You are delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. You are redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. You are a new creature in Christ. You have put off the old man, have put on the new man, which is redeemed in the knowledge after the image of him who created you. You are holy and without blame before him in love. You have the peace of God that passes all understanding. No, that's the first indicator is something's different. <laughs> Oh, where am I? You're a new creature in Christ. You have put off the old man and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him who created me. I already did that one. Here we are. Your spirit being alive to God. It is not me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I have the greater one living in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I am a doer of the word today, and I'm blessed in my actions. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a purchased people. I believe this stuff. Like, I do. I believe this stuff. That's why I put it in here. I am submitted to God and the devil flees from me because I resist him in the name of Jesus. I am born of God and the evil one does not, he does not touch me. Speaking of our conversation. <laughs> I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm not my own. I am strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. So that's what I love most is just showing off what he's done in me. 
It's like a change in my mind where it's not about me anymore, and it's not my pride. So it's, it like flips that over. So I just want to be like, holy cow, this is what Jesus is doing. I mean, that's where I'm at right now. It's like I got shot out of something. It's amazing. And I've heard people be like, oh, that goes away a little. No, it does not. It's not because it's just picking up steam for me. I've received the power of the Holy Spirit. I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I do cast out demons, and I speak in new tongues. I have power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm me. I am the light of the world. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. The lies that the devil has been telling me about myself have disappeared. Now I have a very real and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ my master, Lord, and Savior. I love him more by the minute. As I get to know who he is, I have confidence in who I am in him. I have an overwhelming love for others. I I love telling people, I'm messed up, dude. (laughs) I mean, I'm messed up. It's amazing being here in Kingston because everything, like, from God's perspective... Last time I was in Kingston, I was here doing some foul stuff. And so I had an audience of like two there. So I have like an audience of, I don't know, a few here. So (laughs) more than a few. So it's like multiplication exponential. He has restored so much more in my life than any methods the world had to offer me. Just recently, I saw my son for the first time in a year and a half. So that was a year and a half ago. And I was scared to death that day for whatever reason. Um, it was, and my son is beautiful. <laughs> he has restored me mentally and physically. I, when I came into the ministry, I was 129 pounds. I was sick and dying. Um, it says, <laughs> this is bad, it says here, now I weigh 180. I weigh 192 pounds now. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> And, and I've started school to get my degree. So, and it's amazing to watch how God's even changed and all that. It's the last thing I care about anymore is that degree and that thing that says I am who, you know, that thing that says or certifies me to be somebody or something. This is all in a little less than two years. I'm so excited to see what else Jesus, my Savior, the one who saved me from my sin, is going to do in me and through me. Now my heart's only desire is to be used by him. What an amazing journey. I'm a modern-day miracle. Jesus still heals the sick. The blind are still made to see, and the oppressed are set free. It didn't take me long after spending some time to Jesus to understand that I didn't have a drug problem at all, but I had a sin problem. God is so good. That revelation of joy and peace that Jesus gives me as I get to know him has made this very challenging process of undoing and restoring 21 years of sin damage almost easy. I know what that something was now that wouldn't let me out. It was my sin. Like the Israelites in Egypt, I was held in bondage to my sin. I am nowhere near perfect. I struggle in sin every day. I do. (laughs) But he still loves me. And I'm so blessed to have been as sick as I was just to see how much I always need him. So, yeah, I mean, one thing that was on my mind is I go places and I see people, like, kind of lead, like, the addicts on stage. You know, and you get petted in and out the door, and that's not what happens at the refuge. That's not what Jesus does, you know. So, you know, and I just, I love you. I, I, I asked you once where your support system is, and I know it's, like, the pride thing, but I, I love you, and I thank you. And so many lives are touched because of what's going on here. So I just want to encourage you. And I'm going to encourage you every time I think about you, even if it annoys you. So I love you. Wow. You are jacked up for Jesus. He's a, a Jesus addict now, right? Amen. The, uh, the next piece is just kind of reveal some, some maybe some things so you can share if people ask. Uh, next slide here. 10 o'clock every Tuesday morning, we have orientation in Grove City. 
So if you have a guy in need, that's where we start. That's the entry point. We go about two hours of sharing who we are, what we do. He goes through personal interviews. And then if he senses this is it and we sense he's a great fit for that, then he would go from there if we have beds available. So we've got about 70, 75 guys in the ministry right now. And it's, it's a free of charge. There's no cost to him. So all those things that people say, I don't have insurance, I don't have this, I don't have all those things have been taken away for us through Christ as the church. So in other words, you can just go, come as you are. Uh, and the website, is, as Pastor had mentioned, is the key to getting more detail on that. The next piece is he would go to Lancaster, and, and Lancaster is a place, 134 acres, God gifted us, and it's an amazing place. And this is where it's very, very, very structured very protected because we don't know who, what, and where, and we're trying to make sure everybody's safe and everybody's going towards Christ. This is where the gospel evangelistic, but it's very, very disciplined. I just want to tell you that. Um, no inside-outside contact. They can't call. They can't write. They can't throw pigeons over and try to drop notes. Nothing. It just, they're there because I'm dealing with life and death. People die in this ministry, and, it, and it's real. So we're on the cutting edge of war every day. So that's why we protect those guys that make it to that point. The next piece is Vinton County. This, uh, yeah, there's some pictures showing something, but there's Vinton County. Vinton County, this is the place of intimacy. The first step is, am I done? If I'm done, I submit to God. And then God becomes God, and I quit being God. Then the second one is healing. This is Vinton County, where you get intimate with God. This is where we go real deep in that. But we're not monks. We used to have guys down there for a year, and they all came out swinging incense. We, we got away from that. Because the world doesn't know what that's, that's kind of weird. So, so we went towards the practical gospel. Okay, be in the world, not of it. Figure out how to relate to people without having to put, you know, John 3.16 on my forehead. We got to learn how to connect and relate. So we take them up a week to Columbus to work, back down a week to shore up what they need to be shored up in. So it's pretty cool. But they're working so they can eat. So all the way through the ministry, they're working. And then they're a part of it. So if they all go on strike, we shut down tomorrow, and I told you earlier, that's fine. I'm good with that. So it's real wild to trust one another in the kingdom. So, so that's where we're at with that. The next piece after the four months in Vinton County, now I love God so much, I want to serve him. Now you go to Columbus. This is eight months. This is the place down in the bottoms of Columbus where we're right in the hood. So if you're city boy, if you're urbanite, if you're all that, and gang master, then you're going to hate Vinton County. If you're hillbilly, you're going to hate the city. So, so we get you one way or the other. You're going to have to die, and it's going to be very uncomfortable, and, and that's your wilderness wherever you come from. So everybody gets hit. I love that. And, and this is that place down in the city where now a man is changed and transformed so that God can use him for others. It's community transformation now. So we're down there to be a light in Franklinton, the beginning of Columbus right down there. One way to reach a city is to buy it. So we got our men now scheduled there. Danny's going to be one of those first to buy a home, have a house right in there. And our goal and vision is to have 20 responsible men of God advance the gospel and own homes by 2020. That's our vision for the future. That's six years. We'll have 20 men down there owning their houses. That's where we're going. What that'll do is be a part of a neighborhood to change where we're at. And then we go out undercover and mess with people all day. So we're going out there cutting grass and you know, leaving real quick, just messing up the community. Uh, Carl's got a heart for kids, youth. You heard that. He's going to be going out there, and he's already got him connected. Three, what, three guys showed up there, three little young adolescents. Now, these guys have guns. They just about went to jail the day before. They show up to the house. They're like, hey. And Carl's like, come on in. What did you do? Spend an hour, two hours with him on the couch? So he's over here just going, what's going on, buddy? I mean, just fathering these fatherless, which is powerful. And so those are the pieces of transforming community. The key to that's not about, it's about Jesus Christ changing our world. And then the government, those around us, educate everything around us, all cultures coming to it and going, what's up? And then we can say, Jesus. And so that's where we're going. It's not about we're trying to do anything. We're trying to exalt the name of Jesus above every name in this culture. That's it. That's our goal. That's the end game. And so that's the place and purpose of why we're looking at taking a city. Then others have been coming. I was telling you about uh, Alabama, whoever that, Highland, yeah. Highlands Church, one of the largest in the nation, coming to see the refuge, to say, we want to do one in Alabama. That's kind of coming to where the model is almost there. God's putting it together. And the next slide will show you, this is like where we're at now. 
Um, those are the, the sustainability pieces. We've got different businesses within the ministry. I call it business tree. I just didn't know what to call it. I'm not that smart. So we're trying to bring it all together in the marketplace stuff. And then there's the houses. And then this next step is a nine-unit apartment building that we should have done by May. And this is all by faith. I don't have a clue. We're, we're like, how are we going to make it next month? This is how it's been. It's like, God, shut her down if you don't want it. I mean, it's your problem if it's going to be your glory. So that's the kind of talks we have when God and I get together. I'm like, whatever you want to do. So, so this is the place we are now so that you know where we are to update you is that we're looking at this being done within two months. That'll complete the model. And it'll be about 100 men, and that's it. We don't go wide. We have others come and glean, and we wash their feet to go wide. So it's kingdom. So that's kind of the, those next steps. I told you more than you probably wanted to hear, but here's the key. We got a problem. We got sin in our area big time through this addiction. That's the avenue to get into Christ. We want to partner. We want to link with you. And now that you've got a solution, a practical one, that you can help men with if they want it. So... If I stepped on your toes, I don't apologize. I love you. God bless you, and have an awesome day. So thank God.